podcast where liberty is our mission. This podcast is for Monday, January 21st, 2013, and it's podcast number 263. And with me is hardened criminal Derek J. Freeman. Uh, Derek, um, society is uh, is now safer because you were thrown in a cage for, what what was it the last time, 60 days? Uh, that's correct, yeah. I, I was thrown in uh, the Cheshire County House of Corrections for 60 days. Uh, like the title says, I was corrected. So, so fortunately, <laughs> the world is a much safer place. Thank you, State. Um, now, I want to come, before we get going, I, I like to... Uh, I like to start interviews with something that the person is not expecting. So I want to compliment you on your fantastic taste in hats. You have hey. a really good taste in hats. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. Gosh, I, I wish I had a hat like uh, at arm's reach. Uh, I, the, the nearest one I've got is a cop block hat. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think that is in perfect taste, too. If folks don't have a cop block hat yet, go check them out at copblock.org. Um, and, by the way, I just had uh, a demo on the podcast Whoa, like a week ago or something like that. He did a really good job. And he's a great guy, too. Um, now, you're originally from Philadelphia? I am, yeah. I'm, I'm right outside Philadelphia right now. Um, this is uh, where I was born and raised, and uh, I have something of the spirit of Philadelphia uh, brewing inside of me. I love. I always loved walking through Old City and, and imagining what it was like for the people in the colonial ages, because Philadelphia is very well preserved in some pieces, and it feels like you are Ben Franklin walking down the street. And uh, wow. so, yeah, sometimes uh, I guess that's that's where a lot of my uh, love for liberty came from. And once I heard that there were others uh, who value liberty uh, up in the Shire, up living in New Hampshire, moving for liberty in their lifetimes, I learned that had to be a part of it. So, yeah, that, I'm originally from Philadelphia, but now I, I claim the Shire as my home. Now, it's interesting that all this is going on in New Hampshire, uh, you know, with the Free State Project and, and everything that's going on up there. Um, me, you know, my, my uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, my, you know, the name of the website and the name of the podcast being Bad Quaker. Um, the Quakers, it, it, back in that area, before it was actually called New Hampshire, while well, it was still a part of Massachusetts and so forth, there was a lot of protest against the, the Puritans by the Quakers, and everything from beatings, uh, you know, they would strip Quakers naked and parade them through the streets to humiliate them, um, you know, hangings, burnings, uh, the Puritans were pretty hard on the Quakers in that area, and the Quakers were basically wanting freedom. They wanted the liberty to uh, to express themselves in the way they wanted, to dress in the way that they wanted, to uh, have the beliefs that they wanted, 
and they believed that everyone should be free. And that was one of the things that really upset the, the Puritans because the Puritans liked to have a lot of rules and they liked to, you know, you had to tip your hat correctly and you had to bow correctly and you had to use all these terminologies like, um, you know, uh, uh, sir and a governor and my lord and all these kind of weird terminologies that just all they do is glorify one group of human beings over the other and um and the quakers uh you know uh didn't believe that one human being could own another human being they believed that each human being owns themselves and it's really odd that now hundreds of years later essentially the same argument is going on on the same streets and the, the the Puritans can't burn us anymore, and we're not all called Quakers anymore. And religion is not necessarily, well, in ways, those people that are up there are highly religious. The state, the, the believers in the state are highly religious. It's just, uh, you know, the, the religion of the state. But it's very strange that some of the things that really upset those statists up there in New Hampshire are the same thing that used to upset the Puritans. You don't move your hat properly. You don't adjust your, your uh, attire correctly for the, for the Lord. You know, you don't address him with his proper dignitary titles that he wants you to call him. You don't stand up or sit down on command correctly. And this is part of the problems that they've been having up there in New Hampshire. Uh, that's right. I mean, the, the battle is the same uh, throughout history for more freedom. Uh, you're right. The, the evolution of this uh, argument ha has been interesting, especially when you can uh, pinpoint a place like New Hampshire where this argument has been happening for hundreds of years and it has evolved and, and now is what it is today with the Free State Project. But uh, you're absolutely right. It's all about these rules, following these rules. Uh, the, the court has rules, um, but my, I don't have a problem with rules. I don't have a problem at all. I wish we lived by a rule of law. But unfortunately, in my experience, uh, the laws are for us and not for the people who make the laws. Uh, the, the people who make all the rules get to do whatever they want. So, for example, Pete Eyre was a liberty activist up in the Shire was thrown out of the Keene District Court for wearing a hat. Now, there used to be times in the – there is no – of course, there's no written rule about you can't wear a hat. It's, it's just considered contempt of court because the judge, the man in the robe, doesn't like what you're doing or doesn't like you and wants to use violence against you. So anyway, that's, that's what he did with Pete Eyre, threw him in, threw him in a cage – uh, he he threw Bo Davis in a cage for the same reason. And what I think is interesting about the whole hat, you, you mentioned you, you would uh, be punished for not tipping your hat correctly. Well, it used to be the rule that you had to wear a hat in court. You you know, you had to. It was disrespectful to walk into a courtroom without your hat. How dare you? And now today, if you walk into a courtroom with a hat, how dare you? So these rules, uh, they are meaningless, and uh, I just wish that people would follow common sense, and, and so that's, that's what I hope to uh, inspire by engaging in victimless crimes, uh, showing how, you know, if, if no one's getting hurt, then uh, why don't you just leave everyone alone, and I wish the, the state would have more of a hands-off approach to, um, to its governance, or, or no governance at all, or, or a voluntary governance. Anyway... We can get into all that, but it's fascinating that this same argument is happening over and over again uh, in some of the same geographies. Pretty cool. It's very strange, too, with the situation with Pete there, because uh, he had his hat on, 
and the judge well it was it was the bailiff i think the bailiff was kind of freaking out on him there mm-hmm. and then they attack the man throw him to the ground rough rough uh you know manhandle him and then just moments later cops walk into the same courtroom with hats on yep and they didn't say squat to the cops it's a perfectly that. okay because you know they've they've got the uh, uh they're uh, in the club so they can do whatever they want that's fine because it's not really about a hat it's not really about the court. It's about domination. It's about one group of people saying, we are your gods, and you will respect us correctly, or we will beat you. And and that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, that's what it's about. So uh, as much as I can highlight that, a lot of people won't believe me if I say that. Um, you know, you, you may be surprised, but, but people find <laughs> that uh, that information is... Um, unwelcome and and they sort of reject it reject that sort of information on face um because it's it's so um unpleasant to to recognize that yeah we have these rulers and through language and and other fancy other fancy mind manipulation tricks uh we've been able to ignore the fact that, that there is a small group of people who lords over the rest of us um i think the more honestly, and uh, the the sooner that we all face that, uh, the sooner it'll end. Yeah, most definitely. I've said a lot of times that once people grasp the fact that they that the state is this mythical being, this mythical thing that people that exists only because they believe it exists. Once people realize that, it's like ninety percent of the game is won right there. I mean, the the state is seriously endangered the moment people come to the realization that there is such a thing as the myth of the state and and it, in, it exists entirely in the mind nowhere else right uh, and for uh, for me um, this this was like a, a hardcore light switch being flipped you know I, I was um, kicked out of college for having some pretty extreme views and the state was involved and so my um, mind started considering, you know, what well, what is this state? What is my relationship with these people who are calling themselves the state and feel they have the right to, to take me here and there, you know, with my body? This is, it's my choice, right? Well, no. <laughs> I find out that there are these people who think that um, my body is their property and uh, that because of this mythical idea, this collectivist idea that they need to protect the public, uh, from any individual nutso that uh, they, they can just lock everyone away. We're much safer all in prison. Um, you know, and, and it's interesting to me, having spent some time in jail, uh, how similar the institutions seemed to public schools. I mean, I spent mm-hmm. a lot of time in public schools. I I was like a really good student because I, I wanted to got to get to the next level, got to get to the next level, got to, you know, and then it's all for college. And then, no, I was kicked out of college. <laughs> it's like, well, that was pointless. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I learned how much it's like prison. It's, it's like conditioning. It's just conditioning for your brain. Uh, I hope that children are able to break free of that nonsense. They really don't need that public school crap. And uh, Absol- it'd, absolutely. Be, it'd be a better world without it. It really would. It's it's almost like prison in training. Uh, if it weren't for the fact that it, no, it, it actually is prison. I mean, they you don't have a choice. They're taking you there whether you want to or not. Can I go to the bathroom? Yeah. What? Unbelievable. I Unbelievable. Think, you know, the whole like uh, authority. Can I do this? Can I do that? I see it even in my little sisters, and it's really disturbing because like 
I see them asking questions that are so basic. Can I have this? Can I do that? And I just like, I, I don't know. I was raised by this, basically the same parents, but I live by an attitude of like, it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. So, uh, you know, go for it. Do it. Have gutso. Take action. Make apologies later. But, do, you know, do what you feel is right in your heart. You don't need to. Oh, can I go to the bathroom? It's so embarrassing. I mean, how how can people be raised uh, to become adults with that sort of mentality? You know, they 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 want you to eat when they when they command. They want you to go to the bathroom only with permission. Um, you can get up and walk around only when they allow. Uh, and 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 we're we're told that this is teaching our children, but you have to say, okay. What are you teaching them? If these are the thing, if this is the method that you're using, what is it exactly that you're teaching them? Are you just teaching them how to be good slaves? And the answer, of course, that is absolutely it. And, and if you actually get into some of the writings of the in the late 1800s, early 1900s of the people who were behind public schools, they said that openly. We have to train these people so that they will be good servants in society and run our factories and sweep our floors and do our bidding for us because, you know, otherwise they're going to be rebellious individuals. We can't have that. Right. So knowing these things, uh, of course I want them to change, but I didn't know how to really uh, accomplish this except for to pursue liberty in my own life and hopefully make a path for others uh, that they might want to follow or, or do a little bit differently. But I said, uh, if liberty is achievable, then I, I want to do that. <laughs> and so let's let's figure out how that can work. I moved to the Shire. Uh, I ended up um, losing some liberty, but uh, I, I think in the end, more was gained than lost. Yeah, uh, I want to talk to you about your movie, um, but I, I want to kind of set the stage a little bit first. Uh, because essentially, um, it, there it's it's easy to uh, to look at somebody else's form of protest and say, well, you're not doing that right. You have to do it like this, or uh, or what you're doing for protest uh, is wrong because I, you know, it it doesn't fit what I like to do for protest or what I believe is protest. But you, you have to understand whether you like a particular type of protest or not. All protest, whether it's successful or not, it serves a purpose. And the main purpose of, of any kind of protest is to shine light on the absurdity of the, of the evil deed that's going on, whatever that might be, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, just saying, no, it, it, it's not absolutely necessary that I sit in this seat on the bus, but I'm going to sit in this seat on the bus and I'm going to force you to do something about it. And, and when you take that kind of a position, uh, it, can, it can be as dangerous as a slap on the wrist all the way to the ultimate loss of life. And, and every person who decides to go down the path of protest uh, should always understand this. That, and the other thing, too, with any form of protest, when you're dealing with the state on any level, governments of any kind, even benign governments or what people think are benign governments, you always have the risk of, the, of paying the ultimate price for that protest. And uh, so anyone uh, – we're, we're going to plug your movie – and, and I want people to go and see that, or don't, you don't have to go anywhere, you just put it on your computer, it's free, but you can also buy, pretty soon you'll be able to buy the DVD and so forth. That's right. But, but look at that movie, watch it through, it's only like an hour and a half long, something like that. Yep. And even if the particular types of protests that you see don't 
suit your your you know your bowl of oats. Um, realize that you know a, a protest can be anything from refusing to remove your hat to self-immolation, and and hopefully we don't have to go that far, but some have, some have in New Hampshire. That's right. Uh, some some have in New Hampshire not that long ago. So uh, you know the gravity of making the sacrifice to put yourself out there and to take the kind of risks that you take, uh, whether or not a person perfectly agrees with each type of protest, uh, you need to recognize the importance of it. It's not, we're not, well, we, I'm not out there in New Hampshire getting myself beat up by the cops, but when people cross the line and they begin the, the process of violating these rules that the, that the government has set up, you... Um, and you're not doing it to convince the the employees of the government that uh, you know they're not going to suddenly, right in the middle of beating you with their clubs, they're not going to go. You know what? This guy's right. We should think about liberty. They're not going to do that, and we know they're not going to do that. Not bloody likely. Yeah, but the but to shine the light on the absurdity of uh, of this authority. That's what it's for, so that other people can look and say, that guy just got thrown to the ground because of something that didn't harm anybody at all. Uh, you know, you're playing music and you're dancing, and somehow some magic person called the city is uh, is willing to send guys with guns out who are willing to grab you, throw you to the ground, injure you, risk killing you, because there's this person named the city who has complained, and we don't really know who that person is because the city is not a real person that exists. But we're going to use that excuse to uh, to manhandle somebody. And, and so you, if you watch the movie, you're going to see things like this happen in the movie. And um, And I almost didn't watch. I have to say, I have to admit this. I almost didn't watch the movie because I thought in my mind, well, I don't need to watch this. I've seen every... Every one of these videos already, but the thing about the movie is that it is done so well. It's such an impressive production. The um, the the background music is just really really good. Uh, the narration, the way the storyline goes. Now it is it has some not safe for work language, um, but but that's kind of the the little disclaimer there. Watch where you don't want to you know, get yourself in trouble for listening to it in the wrong setting and end up losing a job or something. But anyway, I've talked way too long telling about why people should uh, watch the movie. But Derek, uh, we've got a couple minutes before we have to break uh, to save the file and, and get into the next segment. So uh, give us a real quick uh, three or four minute roundup of what the movie is about. Well, sure. First, I want to thank Ian Freeman and Bo Davis for making the movie possible. Certainly, it involved a lot of people uh, collaborating, but uh, the things that you mentioned, putting the videos that I shot together, um, adding the music, that was all Bo Davis. Uh, we had the pleasure of working together while in jail. Uh, we actually got to collaborate on making a movie while we were in jail together, that was pretty unique. Um, but to to give people a summary, it's a movie, a full-length feature documentary, 90 Minutes, as you mentioned, uh, which tells the story of a young kid who is out of college, uh, leaves his home city of Philadelphia in search of freedom, uh, finds that uh, <laughs> living free has some 
pretty serious consequences. And um, for for people who may not know uh, about the nature of the state, it certainly is is violent and um, unforgiving. And so, in the end, uh, it's it's no surprise for for people to find out that I had to leave the Shire. I had to get the heck out of there uh, because the the cops you'll see from from the escalation of arrests uh, really have it out for me. Uh, there's there's no um, there's no real reason for uh, you know my crimes aren't extra harmful to anyone, but um, they're they're harmful to the institution itself, and so they're they're really protecting uh, their god when when they're uh, punishing me. So go check it out; it's free online. Victimlesscrimespree.com. You can also order the DVD. It's got a special pre-order price over at order.victimlesscrimespree.com. And I want to thank you all for for tuning in. Can't wait to catch you on the other side, Ben. Yeah, and we're going to go ahead and break here for the commercial. I'll save the file, make sure that the uh, that we have it in case the internet collapses on us. And we'll be right back in about thirty to sixty seconds. Thank you. Do you have an Amazon account? If you don't, let me encourage you to set one up. Setting up an account is free and it's easy, and Amazon has great prices, and in most cases you can avoid paying sales tax. Plus, if you're careful and lump your purchases together, you can get free shipping. And Amazon has almost anything you can think of, plus it's safer and cheaper than driving all over town. When you buy stuff, if you follow the Amazon link at badquaker.com, Amazon will give Bad Quaker a tiny portion of the purchase. It won't cost you any extra, but you'll be supporting this podcast. Thank you. And thanks for sticking with us through the break. I'm here with Derek J. Derek J. Freeman, and um, the movie that we're talking about is Derek J.'s Victimless Crime Spree. And let me tell you how hard this is to find. First off, you can go to BadQuaker.com, and there will be a link a link there to Derek's page. And and from that page, you can look around and kind of see everything that De- that's going on in Derek uh, in Derek's life. And you can also see the link there on where to either watch the the film on uh, YouTube or you can buy the film. And it's going to be out in DVD pretty soon? In two days. It comes out January 22nd. So it's possible that by the time that this airs, it is already available in physical DVD copy. Are you going to have it on Amazon and places like that or just on your website? It's already on Amazon. So (laughs) you can go check it out at Amazon.com. In fact, order.victimlesscrimespree.com will send you right to Amazon. um, And it also is is fancy because it kicks a few dollars to um, the Liberty Radio Network, I I think, uh, or yeah, LRN.FM or Free Talk Live, one of those. uh, It kicks some money that way um, because Amazon does some cool partnership deals. So the the link that you want to use, and it happens to be the cheapest way to get the movie, is order.victimlesscrimespree.com. There's a special pre-order price of eight ninety nine. Uh, it's a dual layer disc. It comes with four hours of bonus features. Um, cool. Extra, yeah. Um, the original video that that we used to make the movie uh, and some extra activism uh, footage it comes with flyers, uh, so you can actually print out your own Shire Choir song sheets. The the very song sheets that got me. Banned from all liquor stores in New Hampshire, <laughs> and uh, there, there's a lot of exciting promotional uh, extra features uh, included, so people can go check that out. Victimlesscrimespree.com is the movie, but you'll notice the uh, director's cut 
we had to do a different um, audio track. So Bo Davis spent the time to go through the movie again. Uh, he added higher quality video for some of the scenes that it wasn't available before I was in jail. We just didn't have the video available uh, when the movie was being made. And um, there's also footage of the premiere, a special Q&A session with the um, producer Ian Freeman and editor Bo Davis, as well as audio commentary tracks. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. We packed this DVD to the brim. There's there's no room left for anything else. Uh, we filled it up completely. So you really get your money's worth. Go check it out. Order.victimlesscrimespree.com. Uh, I don't know how to say this uh, in a in a non-offensive way, uh, but but I want to bring it up I- anyway. You, uh, Derek, you're not a big man. You're not a large man. You're not uh, you know you're not a big muscle guy. You're not like you know like Pete. No. Uh, Pete and and Demo both uh, are very muscular and they're very manly and they're very you know they're they're big guys. And some of the other people up there in the liberty movement are big guys. Yeah, people but Hampshire tend to be. I don't know why they all have beards and they're all just huge muscles it's like everyone chops down a tree in the morning <laughs> but, but uh but but you are the size of a person and i don't mean this offensively at all no. uh you're the size of a person that makes you the perfect target for a coward to manhandle uh you're the kind of a you're the kind of a person your physical build and so forth makes you a target for somebody who wants to feel good about themselves by roughing somebody up right but they don't want to actually face somebody that might you know hurt them no it's um, advertised by uh you know the the costumes that i wear and um by the the attitude that i i take in general that if anyone wanted to beat me up they would have a very easy time i'm not gonna you know I, i'm not the uh big resistance type i know you're a bad quaker because you're uh you're into self-defense but really i'm like it's you know I, i'm easier to to take down than a fish it's just like you you there's nothing I will fight back. I I just don't do that. I'm sorry. I, I it's it's very rare that I feel like, oh, you know, I should lift a finger in my own defense. I really just don't do that. I I just put out the attitude that like, look, leave me alone. I'm not doing anything to you. You should be respectful and leave me alone. If you're not going to do that, no, I'm not going to fight back. I'm just going to make you look like exactly the uh the criminal that you are because I I haven't done a thing to you. You know, when when I fight back, I look like a bad guy. You know, it's it's often the case, especially with police, where when they're being aggressive towards me or, or any person, um, I like to highlight and, and really show, for especially for the camera, because I'm usually holding a camera with me, who is the bad guy in this situation? Who's doing the aggression? Is it me or is it the man with the badge? And it's always the man with the badge. Uh, I, I, I never just go up to a cop. I don't do that. Like, I don't go up and talk to cops. Uh, they come to me. And so uh, I just want to be um, as peaceful as I can in, in all situations. Um, but, yeah, that, that does mean that I get manhandled quite often. It's a funny thing, and you see this through the film several times. Uh, in one case is where you're walking out. You're not in court. You're not standing before the judge, you know, his holiness, the judge. You're not standing before him disrespecting his greatness by wearing a hat. You're literally walking out of the building into the New Hampshire, you know, it's not always nice in New Hampshire. Sometimes it's cold. And and you're walking out of the building and you're wearing a hat and you're not making any kind of a fuss. You're just leaving. And one of these guys decides that he's going to hassle you about it. 
And you're like, what are you talking? I'm leaving. What are you doing? And he's intent upon giving you a hard time. And Rich Paul, which is not a, you know, he's not a giant mountain of a man, but he's not a small guy either. He's a pretty good sized guy. And Rich is just walking by and he's like, hey, Derek, can I wear your hat? And he takes your hat and puts it on. And the guy doesn't say squat to, to Rich about it. It's like, and he kept hassling you. That's right. And it's like, okay, now if the hat's the issue, why are you only picking on the little guy? Why do you just like not even make eye contact with the big guy? What kind of a coward does that? I mean, it's a rhetorical question, but, but really, what kind of a coward behaves like that to say, oh, here's a little guy. I can hassle him. There's the big guy doing the exact same thing. I won't even look. I'm not seeing you. I, I can't see you. With the hat, big man, I, I'm going to just pick on the little guy. Right. Ron, Ron Dusevich is the bailiff uh, uh, whom you're referencing, and yeah. he is yeah. one of the heavies in the movie. If you watch, he, he uh, busts his head in a few times to, to cause mayhem. And it is always that cowardly type of aggression, because uh, if you'll notice, and you'll see this in the DVD, we, we couldn't fit it into the movie because it took too long, but... Uh, Rapture and I, uh, two liberty activists over in Keene, were handing out don't take the plea deal flyers uh, down in below the courthouse. This is a way to um, mitigate some of the damages of the state and encourage uh, peaceful people uh, who are victims or, or who are victims of the state being alleged uh, as having committed victimless crimes, things like speeding tickets or smoking a joint or open containers of alcohol. We encourage them to not take the plea deal and in doing so clog up the system and inspire the police to stop ticketing peaceful people, to leave people alone when their crimes involve no victims. Uh, at the very least, you know, that, so that's the goal. And we were down in the courthouse uh, handing out these flyers when right above us, Ademo was being arrested. He, he had just filmed um, the, the infamous Judge Burke walking into the courthouse, asked him a few polite questions, and Judge Burke had him illegally arrested um, just for asking some questions on camera. Now, I went up. Uh, well, I actually I stayed where I was at first uh, and handed Rapture my video camera. He was going out to get his camera. I just said, take mine. He goes upstairs and films for an excess of five minutes. He's filming up there. Ron Dusevich sees him, has words with him, says, I don't want to be filmed, but then leaves him alone. I go up there with my video camera instantly, six seconds from warning to arrest. You can time it. And the only difference is that Raptor is a much bigger guy. It's the, it was the same bailiff. It was the you know, same camera, same room, same everything. The only difference was I'm a smaller guy. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear that this Ron Dusevich guy is just a bully. And uh, where do bullies want to work for an institution that's going to let them be a bully all day and let them get away with it? I mean, th this guy is a criminal. You, he put his hands on me and then took me away from... I had work in the morning, which was one of the funny lines uh, from the movie. <laughs> it was like, I have work today. I was totally not looking to get arrested. I mean, a lot of the things I do are civil disobedience. I was like, yeah, I'm going to violate the law because I think it's wrong. And like, you know, that smoking pot in 420 uh, in Central Square, that was intentional. But I was not trying to get arrested over the courthouse just for filming what was going on. I, I you know, my friend Adamo was being taken away. Of course, I want to document that. Have you ever tried to get government footage from from a courthouse? It's like that. No, there's no way I've had 
free uh, Freedom of Information Act requests denied. People are like, oh, you just get a Freedom of Information Act request. The government has to give it to you. No, they don't. And they, they don't do it. So, I mean, what, they don't follow their own rules, people. So you got to get this video yourself. Anyway, that's shoot. Uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to, to rant on that so much, but it's it's an emotional thing for me to, to run through it in my head. Ron Dusevich was constantly picking on me. Uh, and he, he just wanted to put his hands on me and do violence. You know, I uh, when I was a kid, I my dad really liked to move around and go to different places and do different work and different jobs and live in different, you know. And so I changed schools something like 16 times in 11 years of school or something like that. And uh, and it would have been more, but I got out early and, and uh, so, I, so I didn't have to attend all 12 years of school. 13, if you count kindergarten, I didn't have to attend all that because I was able to, to uh, get out early. But, hey, yeah, on good behavior, well, not really. But anyway, um, but the one thing that was consistent in every school that I went to except one school, there was only one school that this doesn't apply to, but in every school that I went to, there were, bu- there were bullies. There was always a bully somewhere in that school, and he was always on the hunt for somebody to dominate. And, you know, you always think of, well, it's for lunch money or whatever. Sometimes, but mostly, it's just to dominate. It's a thing that's in one in, you know, what? I don't know, one in 50 or one in 100 people or whatever it is. I don't know, one in a 1,000. But there's just something about that person that they, uh, in order to feel good about themselves, they have to physically dominate somebody else and 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 there's a thing in in economics called uh, self-selection bias that drives these people to get the kind of jobs so that they can get paid to do that and because they can get paid to do that they're good at it and because they're good at it they get rewarded more and because they're rewarded more and they're good at it um, they get better at it and eventually you have an agency that was set up uh, with the intent that oh this is going to be good people it's you know we're going to provide justice we're going to provide safety and security we're going to provide you know all these things uh, to the public and what they end up doing is not providing any of those things they don't provide justice they don't provide security they don't provide safety they do not in any way protect the citizens the basic stuff like understanding what basic law really is not just what the whim of some guy who writes on a paper but understanding what law actually is uh, civility among humans treating each other as as equals and freely communicating with with each other in trade and so forth like this um, these are the things that government is supposed to provide for us, protection of property. This is the stuff government is, says, you know, the people that support government, they say we have to have government to protect our property, to give us basic laws, and to provide civility. And it's the very thing government doesn't do. It's the very thing they violate. They violate our property. They violate civility. They violate their own laws, plus basic law that, that it, we're all that's natural to us all. Even the rules and the laws that they make up, sometimes on the fly, they still they freely violate them and lie with the commonness, like a like a person would order coffee, like Burke in that it, that's in the film. I think it was a demo or Pete. I think it was a demo that was you were just talking about it that was arrested supposedly for threatening the judge, and the whole right. thing is on film. He never threatened him in any way. No. And yet the judge is perfectly comfortable spouting a lie that could end up getting a guy to go to jail, a place where the judge would, that, that so-called judge wouldn't last at all. 
And he's perfectly comfortable spouting that lie. That's just amazing to me. Right. And this is not just some bureaucrat. He's the arbiter of justice. He's the yeah. one that people all go to. They have no other option. He's the, the monopoly on justice in the city of Keene. And this is the guy who's going to lie to put a person in jail on camera. I mean, there's no greater hubris than that. <laughs> That is just amazing. The more you think about it, the more absurd it seems that this guy is calls himself a judge. The community give uh, he first believes lies to the police. I mean, when he filled out the yeah. police report, you can you can check all this out. Demo did a, a fantastic video summarizing the whole thing once the whole thing really blew over. But Judge Burke filled out a piece of paper after that lie to go and cover up his lies some more. And the police department was stuck trying to figure this out. They're scratching their heads. The detectives are like, we, they can't figure out why this happened. And, uh, you know, obviously it turns up that Judge Burke had lied to them and, and really made the police department look bad. So it's, it's all just a, a top-down bully organization uh, where people are rewarded for being a bigger bully. And you're right. It's a very dangerous trend to continue. It's, it's only dangerous, though, if people believe that it's a good thing that these people are here to protect us and give us justice. Uh, of course, my, my solution was uh, to, to resist their um, aggression. But it, lately, I, I think it's, it's way better that people are opting into their own sort of courts, that they find their own justice. You know, just ignore the state as much as possible and... Uh, seek justice in your own way. Uh, I know it's not always possible to <laughs> ignore the state and stay out of those courtrooms. Sometimes they make you go. But yeah, ho hopefully people can ignore the state and find their own solutions, stateless sol solutions. I think that's a much more civil way of, of handling things than to, you know, the knee-jerk reaction uh, is to call a cop. And, and I think that's a very violent and uh, uh, immoral way to handle a problem. Death threat. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how people call the cops over some of the most menial things like a car breaks down. They'll call the cops. Why do you need a death threat when your car breaks down? Because to me, that's like instant death threat anytime you call the cops. It's like, um, I don't know, there's a burglar in my home. Maybe you want a death threat for that burglar if you're not adequately prepared for the situation. Uh, but sometimes you've you got a burglar in your home. That cop's coming to kill you. They, they, don't, yeah. they don't even help. The, the you know you in the situation uh a lot of times the people call the cops and they want help from the cops and they actually get what's for um so to speak yeah it would be and this is not a this is not a fantastical thing it, it actually happens you you call you call the cops you have a burglar breaking in you call the cops the cops show up after the burglar's gone and shoot the guy that called the cops right it, it you know it happens i have supreme court decision the the cops have no obligation to protect you anyway so right. We're living in a fantasy land, that, you know, reading some of those, like, to me, my mind goes back to those uh, 1950s flickering pictures that the kids used to watch in uh, the elementary schools, like, you know, call Joe police officer if you have a problem. And, like, how can you believe that nonsense when you see the evidence? Read a news, pick up a, a newspaper, for goodness sakes. This is like the police are harassing people on a massive scale. 
It's not like it's some tiny gang. We've got a huge gang problem. It's called all of the police in America and all the police in the whole freaking world because they've got this extra right. They've got this badge that says it doesn't matter if you haven't harmed anyone. I can come kill you and get away with it. Well, that doesn't seem very safe to me. That's not the kind of world I want to live in. I'd like to start moving in a new direction. And I guess the the only way that I think um, was a good way to point this out because i get really frustrated when people don't agree with me that the state is violent i'm like really <laughs> like i'm sorry but uh i'm a really peaceful guy you <laughs> the inflection of my voice at the moment but i'm a peaceful guy i'm dedicated to, to peace and i i've been really abused by the people who call themselves the state and i've never done anything to them that that would warrant violence and uh so I, I had to make this movie to, to show the people who just won't believe me when I say the state's violent. Well, here, I went to jail to, to make to prove this point to you. If you didn't believe it before, now now you have to believe because you, you can't deny what you see with your own eyes. So people, if, if they have friends who are questioning, you know, oh, the, the state's not violent. Victimlesscrimespree.com. Send, send your friends to that, that movie and you'll see how violent the state can be. The, one of the classic moments in the movie is this, uh, you know, I don't know how to put it politely. There's this violent, crazy old bitty that, uh, uh, I, I, a sidewalk bitty or a crosswalk bitty. I'm glad you're bringing her up. This is the crosswalk lady. Uh, yeah. Also wears a, she's an employee of the Keene Police Department somehow. I don't get it. But um, I was filming some B-roll just to give some background. I was just... I do a lot of activism in Keene. One of the activism is uh, people hand out flyers to students as they're leaving the school. It's a good way to get information out uh, to, to kids who may not have any other access to uh, anti-authoritarian thinking. So I was there to document this. I wasn't handing anything out. So in documenting, I was getting school buses going by. I was getting angles of the school. You know, pictures of the school, the school sign, the crossing guard. But when I filmed the crossing guard, she didn't like that. And um, all I said to her, the, it, a lot of people think cause, uh, when they see it in the movie, the, the scene starts with me saying, hello, that's where the, the film actually started. I didn't, you know, start a conversation with her and then hit record to, to get one on or, or edit it. You can see all the raw video is, is online. You can go check it out yourself. Don't believe me. So watch it for yourself. Um, but she attacks me with the tool that she is supposed to be using to keep children safe. Stop sign. Just supposed to be helping these kids safely cross the street. And she uses it to hit me and my camera. Uh, in intending to, I guess, make me go away. I, I don't know why an old lady would hit some nice kid with a sign and then think that she's doing the right thing and has, has the gall to call me a jerk. I didn't lay a hand on her. All I say is hello, and she thinks it's the right thing to do to use violence against me. Is this the type of person that you want protecting your kids? And then she says, I didn't attack him. It's on film. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care, she says that horrible new england accent oh if we if we're gonna make fun of accents the the lady in the in the cop in the beginning of the movie where she's giving you commands and she can't even speak english <laughs> my own town i'm not allowed to walk down the street 
this is insane. A lot of people, I guess maybe the movie didn't didn't frame it all totally correctly. I was a little confused myself about what was going on. Apparently some rapper was in town, and uh, it drew a really big crowd that they weren't expecting. So the police get called out to take control of the situation, you know? And I'm just walking home from one of the activism that I did, which was just sign-holding over by the First Amendment stone at Fifth and Market in Philadelphia. A great way to strike up conversations with random people. And um, I was walking home with my bike, with my sign that said, Legalize Freedom. I'm seeing people walk the direction I'm going towards my house. Uh, I'm only like two blocks away from my home at this point. And this woman grabs my arm. A police officer grabs my arm to bark at me in Spanglish that I have to go the other way. Uh, that I have to walk down some crazy dark alley by myself where there are a bunch of other people walking right down the street as normal. I, I've got it on video. I'm standing there with a video camera. She she knows I'm video recording that there are people walking, but I'm not allowed to do that. I don't understand. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Uh, I feel like that whole Charlie Brown song. Like, Why is everybody always picking on me? I'm a nice guy. Should leave me alone. I don't know why. I've got some some sign on me that says like on me. I'm I'm a target. I don't know why. I I feel like I I try and costume myself. I I dress respectably. They should leave me alone. They should, they should just say, oh, maybe he's some like he's gonna be a lawyer. I don't know. I would never be a lawyer. And then she lied about it to the other cop. Oh my god! Yes, thank you. Yes, she lied to her supervisor. The supervisor's like, why is there a camera on me? And uh, I'm like, well, this woman, she told me I had to go down this alley. Well, he's trying to block me. He starts putting up his defensive arms. He's saying, no, he can't go this way. And thankfully, some security woman from from around the corner who saw the whole incident, she's like, no, that cop told him he could go down there. And then what I think is fascinating. So, okay, this cop lies to her supervisor, says that I just disobeyed her and and was uh, walking down the alley for no reason. She lies. The civilian, if you want to use that term, tells the supervisor that uh, the cop is lying. The supervisor believes the civilian, not the cop. So, I mean, maybe that's a good thing, but I think it's interesting to point out that uh, this this guy, he's not going to believe me, but he believes this other old woman, you know, because she's got some blazer on, looks like she runs security or something. I don't know. It's just, it's it's so weird, the mentality of these, these um, control freaks. Like who who they believe and why they pick on people to tell them you're you have to go this way you have to go that way like where are we? I felt <laughs> like uh, I was in a World War II film except for in in that situation. I mean, being taken by the arm and told I have to walk down an alley like I, not in Philadelphia. I would never think in a million years. But of course now they're doing stop and frisks in New York City, Philadelphia, and <laughs> other places like that. So just part of this rolling police state, just rolling down the line. Uh, I think it's really important that people put up some sort of resistance <laughs> to this tyranny. I, don't put up with this crap. I mean, what are they going to do? They beat you up, and then they've got your body, right? But that's that's it. They don't have your obedience. Folks, when we come back, stick with us through the break, and when we come back, there's going to be more with uh, Ben Stone of Bad Quaker and Derek J. Did you know author Taryn P. Lupo has a new novel out called One Nation Under Blood? When a rejuvenative blood technology is developed that pits the young against the old, the government must take firm steps to address the war of supply and demand brewing across generational lines. Blood is not the only thing bought and sold in this dystopian tale of technology, economics, and independence. Vampires are now very real, but we never expected them to wear our grandmother's best Sunday dress. 
Okay, thanks for sticking with me through the break. And I'm back with Derek J. And we're talking about Derek J.'s victimless crime spree, the movie. And uh, it's a really great movie. You need to see it. And on top of that, let me just take you out of the movie for a second, Derek, and ask, uh, so what's going on? You ended up leaving uh, New Hampshire in order to – well, let me – before we get into that, let me give a quick disclaimer. Um, uh, Derek – if you watch the movie to the end, and, and I, I have to admit, I almost come to tears at a certain point in the end. But if you watch it to the end, you'll find out that Derek basically um, goes into self-imposed exile. And he does that because if he's so much as picked up for looking wrong at a cop, and we, we've already established that the cops will lie, the judge will lie, uh, they will use any method necessary to inflict uh, pretty much anything they want on anyone. They'll, they'll make up rules as they go along. They'll lie about what the law is. And if you are a regular listener of BadQuaker.com, you know I talked to uh, Max uh, Abramson not long ago, and the cops lied in his case. The, uh, the prosecutor lied in his case. And we know this. We know they do this game. So if Derek is picked up for anything, then, uh, then the whole thing is thrown back in his face and he's facing serious jail time. So rather than do that, he's going to go away from New Hampshire. This is the, in the end of the film. I'm spoiling. I'm giving the spoiler here, but he's going to go away from New Hampshire to try to keep himself safe. Now, that's not to say that cops or judges or prosecutors or anything are any different in any other place. There's just, at this particular time, there's not efficient enough communications between these different agencies and between the states and cities and so forth, and the the um, the grudges that one judge or one police agency might hold don't carry over to another. So it's not that the it's not that the you know that the police or the judges or the prosecutors in New Hampshire are particularly evil and unusual. They're typical. They're typical of hometown America everywhere. And if anything. They're actually less dangerous than, say, somebody in Philadelphia or Chicago or L.A. or New York or some of the others. But that's basically uh, what we see in the end. And, you've, Derek, you've put yourself into a position where you're trying to at least stay out of you know, hard prison, uh, hard time um, for a while. And then once it's safe, if we can say it like that, once it's safe, you're going to plan on going back to New Hampshire and picking back up life in, in the free state. Is, is that uh, pretty much a good uh, wrap-up of it? have it exactly. That's exactly correct. Uh, I don't feel safe living in the Shire. Um, that is my home. Uh, but unfortunately, because of the grudges that you mentioned, um, I could be picked up for looking at a cop wrong, and then it would be three-plus years in prison. And that's not something that will advance liberty, in my opinion. That won't um, help anyone. I'm, I'm a lot more productive outside of jail. Um, I can do a lot more for, for liberty. I produce a, a podcast called Peace News Now. People can check it out on iTunes or visit me at peacenewsnow.com to learn what I'm doing over there. Also got my my blog that I do, and I did these things over in New Hampshire as well. You can find that at livefreeordance.com, and I'm staying out of trouble, so to speak. I'm I'm really uh, trying to not get arrested. Um, that's the main goal because if I was arrested anywhere in the country, uh, I would be shipped back to New Hampshire uh, state prison after um, 
serving my time wherever I, I do, you know, in the country. So I, I'm looking to do as safe activism as possible. I still believe in civil disobedience, but, um, you know, I didn't know what I was like. I didn't know what I was doing when I was getting into doing civil disobedience. It's not like I, I read a bunch of books and was like, all right, here's the plan. You can see it in the movie. I'm just some normal guy who was just trying to figure out how to live free. And I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, I, I think it's a it's going to take a lot of us. <laughs> it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of effort to figure out how do we uh, achieve a free society. But I'm working on it. Message of liberty to, to more people. And, and anyway, I, I just think uh, it's wonderful that we'll be able to live in a peaceful society one day because of um, collaborations of uh, free thinkers and fr- people who are willing to act on behalf of freedom. Uh, there was a moment in the in the video where you talked about being barred from all liquor stores in the entire state of New Hampshire. And I think the uh, the bizarreness, is that a word? Sure. The abs- I, I hate to use absurdity too often, um, but, but the absurdity of being barred from all liquor stores because what's the actual crime singing on on in a state owned liquor store is that the actual crime no i don't know i i don't remember um i by the time i collected all of the charges that were filed against me the paperwork weighed over 2 pounds so for me to have any kind of memory of like what each individual charge was online you can you can check it out i did scans of all of them while i was under house arrest but the the most bizarre part of the being banned from New Hampshire liquor stores for me was this happened days after my uh, arrest by Officer Moore when I was run over by the police cruiser and then punched. I mean, I laugh now because I'm not, uh, you know, I don't have a knee on my neck. But this this happened while I was in jail. So I, I'm in jail. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting to either get bailed out or to, you know, figure out what's happening right now. I think that my bail was like $5,000 cash or something. It was ridiculous. And I hadn't even committed a crime. I I was just riding my bike and it got picked up for no reason. Um, by, by an officer who was uh, off the clock, by the way, he was uh, in overtime. So he had no reason to even be, it was just picking on me. Uh, so I'm in jail, and I get called down to the, the front, to booking. I'm like, why would I be called down to booking? We're all, like, eating lunch or whatever in, in the uh, in the cell block. And everyone's like, ooh, you know, like in school, you get called to the principal's office. This is like that, where you get called down to booking. Like, man, what did you do? Why are you getting called down to booking? The, the, there were cops there. As soon as I get down there, there are two police officers ready to serve me paperwork. Thinking, what is this? Maybe it's related to my arrest? Nope. The Bureau of uh, Tobacco and, and Firearms and Alcohol or whatever, um, I don't think it's the ATF, it wasn't a federal agency, it was the New Hampshire Liquor Commission, finally did their investigation. And they dug through all the video camera um, evidence of, of me being in the liquor store, and uh, they, they matched up my identity with my mugshot and said, well, that, we got our singer, that's the guy who was singing in the liquor store, get him out of here, we don't want him in any more liquor stores for the rest of his life. And that's what happened from all New Hampshire liquor stores. uh, I believe it's for life. And when I came back into the cell block, I mean, you wouldn't believe the laughter from the the other cellmates. Like they were all roaring. Like what? When many of them had stolen from liquor stores, from liquor stores. So it's just it's it's an indication to me that 
maybe what maybe it's not an indication that what I was doing was working per se, but it was really getting under their skin <laughs> like that. <laughs> it, you know, it's a funny thing you mentioned. Uh, there, there are probably I'm, I'm assuming, but there are probably criminals in jail in New Hampshire who have robbed liquor stores, who have uh, you know shoplifted from liquor stores, who have been arrested drunk, who have probably rammed their cars into things or people or who knows what while drunk. That are per- it's perfectly legal for them to walk into a liquor store and purchase alcohol. But not you, Derek. That's why they were laughing. They were like, I have robbed liquor stores, and I'm not banned. So, I mean, like, the the guy was joking to me, like, oh, yeah, when you get out of here, just give me a call. Like, I'll I'll go get you some some liquor. I'm like, this is is the guy who has actually harmed people. He's actually (laughs) – and and all all I'm doing is bringing attention to the fact that the people who call themselves the state will cage you for one drug, cannabis, while – selling you a far more harmful substance alcohol now, if that's not hypocrisy and if if the place to highlight it isn't the place where the sale is happening you know i i don't know what better way to highlight this issue and of course people are on board people want an end to the drug war the only people who want it to continue are, are cops and uh, and judges, the people in the prison industrial complex want it to continue. They're the only ones who benefit. But regular guys like us, they know what's up. They know it's just an excuse for people to, to uh, search them without warrant or, well, yeah, probable cause. Hey, it smells funny. Your eyes are kind of red. You know, uh, I hear you listening to the Grateful Dead. I, I think uh, I need to uh, investigate your car a bit. It's, you know, my grandparents had their car searched recently. Freaking grandparents. They're in their 70s. You know, they shouldn't be having to put up with this police state nonsense. But, uh, you know, this is a situation that we find ourselves in today. And I'm just glad that we're moving forward with it. <laughs> so hopefully it's it's all going to end soon. Uh, the state is going to collapse whether I do anything about it or not. So let's just be prepared to uh, live together in a, in a free society um, and start, start building the uh, framework for the society that we want to live in. I think that's a really good point, especially after, you know, after talking about the evils of the state and how oppressive that these people are when they believe this silly myth and when they practice their religion, how, how violent and dangerous these people are. Um, but the fact is, I mean, if you just and, and people have called me on this, they say, well, no, 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 you, you know, you're just wishful thinking or whatever. But if you look at the thing just in pure economics, at some point, the state is going to become so oppressive and so desperate for cash, uh, you know, for wealth. I shouldn't say cash, but but it's going it, to because it destroys so much wealth. It's going to become so desperate for wealth that if nothing else, on a purely economical basis, this thing, this beast, this monster, is going to grow to the point of where it will not be able to sustain itself on its victims, and its victims will decide, you know, we're done with this. And I've said a lot of times that all it's going to take is one generation of going from birth to the to the end of their life without experiencing the state, and we'll never have the state again, because freedom is so powerful that once you taste it, uh, you, you cannot settle for having a lord dominating you constantly, telling you, okay, it's three o'clock in the morning and there's nobody on the road, but you'd better sit at this red light until it turns green or else. 
I mean, that kind of nonsense that people obey that, and they don't even think about it. That will be gone at some point in time. And and that I may not live to see that. You may not live to see that. But it will never happen unless we lay the foundations for it. And we are laying the foundations, and it is going to happen. We are going to, well, at some point, we collectively, uh, sounding like a communist, among among you know all liberty liberty seeking people everywhere somebody will see that day because this this beast this state cannot go on forever it's not self sufficient it it has to die at some point I absolutely agree. Um, I, I see the state collapsing all around us, and so that's why I feel like it's important to um, start building relationships and um, partnerships with with uh, others who, you know, I, I can trade for the things that I need. And uh, hopefully, that the people who listen to this podcast are are preparing themselves for the inevitable collapse of the state. It's going to happen, so get prepared. Um, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of, but, you know, just st- start working on the free society that you want to live in. And that's why I do Peace News now. Uh, I don't like I used to be fascinated by these stories before I moved over to the Shire, before I started getting active in, in anything. I was like listening to Alex Jones and uh, I was all getting hyped up on the fear and the, the anger and um it's it's easy to pick up a newspaper and read 20,000 stories of a dystopian nightmare come true. And I'm sick of that. I don't want to I don't want to read those stories anymore. Um maybe that served its purpose uh, a few years ago, but it it has outlived that purpose for me. And so I am looking to um promote and talk about the the types of peaceful interactions that people are engaging in. And the ways that people are peacefully resisting the state. Uh, I, I like to report that the, the TSA scanners are going away. And, you know, I like to, <laughs> to report on the good news. And so that's what I, I think I deliver over at peacenewsnow.com uh, with that podcast. And, um, you know, that's the world I want to live in. And I'll put a link uh, at bagquaker.com so that uh, people can follow that over to your channel, too. Um, what else have you got going on uh, uh, nowadays? Well, these days, uh, I've just, uh, so I started an exile tour. After I left the Shire, I decided to, hey, ch- check out the other Liberty places around the world, start making connections with people. And so I, I started traveling. I started over in D.C. Uh, I did some activism down there. There was an awesome uh, raw food, raw milk protest. Uh, I think it was one of the biggest acts of civil disobedience in um, in history, of course, there are, there are many big uh, acts of civil disobedience, but this was definitely one of the bigger ones. Um, over in D.C., where raw milk is illegal, it was being openly sold, and it was being openly sold in such great numbers that the police went right by and did nothing about it. Um, that's a win that I would that I really like to celebrate. I mean, just a year prior, three people were selling milk and they were arrested. And what does that teach us? Other than numbers make a difference, and when more people are willing to stand up for peace and uh, for what they believe in, then you get the uh, type of world that you want to see. So I was super jazzed and and enthused by uh, the the cops' non-reaction to this major act of civil disobedience on the Capitol. I mean, this is not like 
were hiding in some some back alley trading raw milk. This is this is right out in the open, broad daylight, being advertised over megaphone for for people all over the you know world, all kinds of tourists to to see. Hey, we're free people, and we're going to disobey our government right where the government lives. And uh, I think that's a that's a big um, courageous action that the the people participating um, took. And I was only there documenting. Uh, I don't think it's a crime to buy the, the milk, so I did that. But um, you know, I, I just want to stay out of jail. So I'm just traveling and highlighting other people's activism, of which there's a lot and and more every day. Uh, more people are are getting involved. Not always civil disobedience. That's my favorite because I love it when people just flagrantly um, disobey a bad law. I, I truly believe good people disobey bad laws, and if if enough people did disobey bad laws. Uh, then the state would be gone tomorrow. So that's that's what I like to encourage. Um, although some say it's suicidal, uh, I, I could agree uh, to an extent. I hope to see you at uh, uh, Liberty Forum then, and that's mm, about a month away. And I hope to see you at Porkfest 2013 as well. Well, that's rocking. Well, I can't wait to see you too, and and hopefully I'll meet a lot of our uh, your your listeners and my listeners will also be there. So uh, can't can't wait to engage with them also. Derek, thanks a ton for coming on the show with me, and, you know, uh, keep yourself safe. It's been a pleasure, Ben. Uh, really an, an honor. Thank you so much for having me on, and uh, I, I wish you the best in all of your endeavors. Thank you, and folks, thanks for listening to today's podcast, and remember to visit badquaker.com, where liberty is our mission, 